I think the beauty of Escuela Nueva is not per se all the ideas that are behind, which are not new in the philosophy of education. I mean, talking about child-centered learning, this is not new. We heard about this years back with Maria Montessori, with Piaget. These new ideas of the way of learning came basically to the elites of our Latin American countries, not to the poorest of the poor. So we just wanted to do good quality education. What we knew everybody was talking about, child-centered, active, de facto, in a multi-grade setting where a teacher has to handle simultaneously several grades. You're forced to innovate. Uh, these schools are the entry point for innovation, and they exist worldwide in both developed and developing countries. Hello, everyone. This is Bassem, producer of the show, welcoming you back to another episode of Wise Words, the show where we talk to the world's leading minds in education and beyond. And who you just heard speaking in the intro is this episode's guest, Vicky Colbert, the founder and director of Escuela Nueva. She was talking about how the world-renowned model was conceived and stressed the main goal that distinguished it from other models at the time. The main goal was to achieve quality education and ensure it reaches the underserved. She's been working in education for quite a long time, and we're honored to be able to share some of her insights on the show. Stick around to hear her share more about her journey in engaging students from vulnerable communities. And as always, be sure to subscribe to Wise Words if you haven't done so already on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your preferred podcast app. We'll now switch to host and CEO of Wise, Stavros Yunuka, to kick off the show. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Stavros Yanuka welcoming you back for another episode of Wise Words. It's my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Vicky Colbert. Vicky is the founder and director of uh, Fundación Escuela Nueva and has co-created the worldwide renowned Escuela Nueva model, uh, which has expanded from Vicky's native Colombia uh, to now more than 19 countries. Now, for her work, Vicky has been recognized internationally, most notably by WISE in 2013, when she was awarded the WISE Prize for Education, uh, the first uh, award of its kind to recognize uh, educators at the same level as other laureates uh, of, of, of the Nobel Prize, for example. Uh, more recently, in 2017, uh, Vicky was also awarded the inaugural uh, Yidan Prize for Innovation in Education. Vicky, it's a real pleasure to have you on the 60th episode of the Wise Words podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Stavros. Always so stimulating to have conversations with you. Vicky, um, I hope I've done justice to, to your, I mean, I've, I've given a very brief overview of, of, your, of your biography, but is, is there something that you want to add that you want to uh, maybe draw the audience's attention to by way of, uh, of introduction to you and, and your work? I guess the most important part is I've been moving Escuela Nueva from all my professional spheres, <laughs> I guess from all of them. <laughs> so because one of the things that I have come to a conclusion is results in education take time. And usually they do not coincide with political momentums. So people that want to invest in education have to know beforehand that usually this will take time. And uh, just the fact that I've been holding Escuela Nueva, which is not so new anymore, <laughs> uh, for so many professional spheres, 
is because I'm convinced that something good is happening. And definitely Escuela Nueva means new school, despite that it's one of the longest bottom-up innovations of the developing world that's still being sustained. But I guess this is what's, what's important about this, is that fact, precisely, that has been sustained for so, so long. Now, I wanted to make a precision, Stavros. When we mentioned so many countries, yes, so many countries have come, have been inspired. We've started activities in some countries, but not necessarily do we control the activities in those countries. And we have reached a conclusion uh, after so many years that education is so important. It has to be the responsibility of the state, but not only of the state. Precisely the Jean Tien Conference, which was a huge conference that took place years back in, in Thailand, in Jom Tien. I said education is so important, it cannot only be in the hands of states. It's, it's commitment of everybody in society. So I guess uh, I just wanted to highlight that because it has been a national policy in many countries, but that does not really mean that it's been sustained. So I just wanted to clarify that. No, I, I, I appreciate that, uh, that, that clarification. And, and I think you, you also alluded um, to, to the fact that, you know, your, your journey, um, you know, has, has, uh, has seen you go through a variety of roles. I think you started out as a, as a policymaker yeah, in the ministry, and it was really your sort of exposure to the underserved communities um, of your country that, uh, in a sense, then prompted you to come up with this, this solution. Um, let, me, um, let me ask you, how have you seen the sort of education landscape change for, uh, for underserved communities, uh, vulnerable communities, over, over the past uh, several decades. What what changes have you seen, um, both positive and, and negative? I guess. I guess when you work with underserved populations, um, something constant is that they continue to be underserved. <laughs> okay, I think this is very important. Uh, they continue to be, to be underserved, and and despite that, the offerings of education are not only from the public sector, but from private sector. You know, there are many other institutions that are offering uh, education service, which is what's going to happen in the future. It's not only going to be only the state. However, you do see more offerings. You do see changes, but still they continue to be underserved. And I guess in the context of Colombia, like many other Latin American countries, rural areas are continuing to be the most underserved and there's no connectivity. So despite that we talk about many new modern things happening, much of this connectivity does not reach these isolated places. So it just, for, for sure we have seen uh, what requires more equity at the moment, you know. The inequity has been definitely highlighted in all this, in, in all this uh, COVID experience. But in a way it's good because it shows us where we have to invest more and when we have to work more. And, and tell us a little bit about the, um, the Escuela Nueva model for those, again, who may not be familiar with it. It's got, it's got some unique features in terms of, of 
you know, for example, reconceptualizing the role uh, of the teacher, you know, enlisting the support of learners um, to, you know, to deliver um, uh, education. Um, and it was also, in, in many respects, a sort of pioneer in the use of, of technology. How, tell us a little bit about the model and how you've, you've evolved it over, again, over the years. Yes, I guess, um, Stavros, something that I want to highlight is definitely, uh, for us, necessity is the mother of innovation. Uh, I think that that is proven, and <laughs> that is proven, and we have reconfirmed it. Necessity is the mother of innovation, and in a way, uh, the context of Escuela Nueva is really the story of Cinderella. We started with the most invisible schools, those schools that did not even offer uh, access nor quality to education. They were marginalized populations that didn't even appear in the statistics. So we started with these vulnerable schools. But precisely because there were so many problems, we were forced to think systemically from the outset. I think this was crucial. The fact, not only with the COVID situation, I mean, always, just the fact that there were so many difficulties, this forced us to think systemically from the outset. If we wanted a child to be a better citizen, if we wanted um, a child to to be more active, more participative, if we want him to reach academic results, if we wanted him to have more social, emotional compassion, if we wanted this type of adult in the future of citizen, we needed to change the way of working with the teachers, the way of working with the administrators, the work, the way of working with the parents. So I think the most important thing was we started systemically. We wanted to involve students, teachers, administrators, and parents. The second part is precisely we had to transform all this complexity into simple, manageable action. I think the beauty of Escuela Nueva is not per se all the ideas that are behind, which are not new in the philosophy of education. I mean, talking about child-centered learning, this is not new. We heard about this years back with Maria Montessori, with Piaget, but all these, these new ideas of the way of learning came basically to the elites of our Latin American countries, not to the poorest of the poor. So we just wanted to do good quality education, what we knew everybody was talking about, child-centered, active, participatory. We personalize. Not everybody learns the same thing at the same time. So I guess the fact that there were so many difficulties, this was good because for every problem, there was an opportunity. So first, personalized learning. Not everybody learns the same thing at the same time. De facto, in a multi-grade setting where a teacher has to handle simultaneously several grades, you're forced to innovate. And this is what is fantastic. Uh, these schools are the entry point for innovation, and they exist worldwide in both developed and developing countries. So we want a child-centered, active, participatory learning, personalized learning, not everybody's learning the same thing at the same time. So we had to think of modularizing the curriculum. They eat it with chunks and different, I mean, nothing complicated. We just modularize it. So some children can go faster and others can go slower. But we want it also for children to learn through dialogue and interaction. We want to have results not only in academic achievement, but in peaceful democratic behavior. 
and uh, we wanted to, you know, not to have bullying in classrooms. We wanted to have a good environment because I think there's a good relationship between um, class, what happens in the classroom, and the and the construction of democracy in a country. Here's what John Dewey said a hundred years ago. So, so children in Escuela Nueva learn to uh, to have governments, to have their committees. They elect their presidents. They elect their vice presidents. They're permanently taking ownership of the classroom, uh, facilitating work for the teacher uh, because they are the administrators of their school. So this is nothing new, but here we have personalized learning, child-centered learning. We wanted cooperative learning. We wanted children to learn through dialogue and interaction, constructing knowledge together. Everybody talks about constructivism. Yes, but nobody knows how to put it in practice. So we had to change our textbooks to make them dialoguing reusable because we thought from the outset, Stavros, anything that we want to do in education has to be viable technically speaking. The teachers can do it. If it's too complicated, teachers will not do it. Technically speaking, politically speaking, we have powerful unions in Latin America. We had to work with teachers from the outset and cost-effective. We had to think of cost effectiveness because we wanted to reach from the outset national. But we wanted to become a national policy. So this is why we developed this whole strategy of how to influence a national policy. And if you ask me, what new things do you have? Well, you know, if we start analyzing, I think everything was so well in place from the outset, the design. But I guess the the what is interesting is that we were forced to have so many variables together and we had to transform complexity into manageable action. I think the beauty of Escuela Nueva is how replicable and scalable it is because we made it simple. Uh, I, it's not The ideas behind is what everybody wants to have is good learning, good social emotional uh, learning to take place, a new role of the teacher as a 21st century uh, mentor, coach, not a transfer. We were talking about this 40 years ago, Stavros, and it's exactly the same. So the scenario is basically the same. I mean, what it, the beauty of this, it, it really brings to the essential, the learning relationship. Because precisely because we don't have so many gadgets, we don't have so many, uh, let's say, new technologies around us that we were forced to really rethink the essence of learning. And that continues to be exactly the same. Of course, now we're talking about 21st century skills. So we also incorporated 21st century skills in the whole leadership dimension of students. But, you know, this is there. So I don't think it's that new either. Let, let's focus, Vicky, a little on the, on the role of the teacher, because, again, that's, that's been a, um, a fairly unique feature uh, of the Escuela Nueva model. And um, again, as you, as you rightly pointed out, this is something that you did uh, many, many years ago. Um, but it's now seen as a sort of desirable um, uh, objective, even for more uh, developed and advanced systems. How do you go about selecting and training uh, teachers for Escuela Nueva? Well, this, without talking about the COVID situation, I'll talk about the COVID situation afterwards. I think what we wanted to basically focus was attitudes. 
attitudinal change of teachers. If you want to change behaviors, you have to change attitudes. And this requires certain timing. For us, it was crucial to have teachers learn the same way they're going to be using with their students. You know, teachers are trained usually in a very theoretical way, but they everybody expects that they make the changes at the classroom. How can they make the changes in the classroom if you don't train them the same way you want them to act and to work with their, your children? So that was the first thing we changed. This, you know, that everything was designed with the same methodology they would be using with their students. The second one is that they would see a school in action, a demo school, nothing out of this world, just that they can say, I can do this. So they can have a, I think it's so crucial in education to have visual images. You need visual images. Otherwise, you, everything is so abstract that you don't know where you're going. So teachers needed to see a school in place, in action, and say, I can do it. And the second principle for the teachers was not to leave them alone, not leave the teachers alone. They learn more from other teachers. So we created these, what we call micro centers or teacher to teacher strategies where they get together and they share what they're doing and their solutions and their innovations and their problems. So these micro centers were very crucial for teachers. Now with the COVID situation, we have our, our platform. Uh, that has been very significant. It's called Renueva, which means renewal in Spanish. No, it means renewal. And here we have a platform for the teachers, not for students. Not for students because students don't have uh, connectivity in the rural areas. So with the children uh, in Escuela Nueva, they were, they were very much accustomed to autonomous learning. So they use their printed learning guides. Their printed learning guides are like a hybrid between a textbook and a workbook. And the guide of the teacher all in one, reusable. Children do not write on them. So we had to think of costs. And um, But I think the most important thing that we have seen, Stavros, is the challenges have been pedagogical, not technological. I mean, we don't have technology, but they have radio. They have community stations. They have local. Uh, they have TV, national TV, with uh, a lot of classes. But I think the most important part here has been the learning guide. Children have been accustomed to using their learning printed learning guides, and they're accustomed to autonomous learning. So they know exactly what is the structure of a good learning guide. They know why it's there, why they have to answer that. They have. They can explain to you what they're doing. And this immediately brings the new role of the teacher. The teacher at this moment is really becoming a mentor, is really becoming somebody that's calling them by phone uh, or sending messages. Here's where we need the help. Not all families, all families have one little phone, one cell phone. And uh, so the, but the teachers are getting there. They call their students. I think the most important part is they don't, uh, they're, not, they're trying to maintain the effective link with their students. I think this is the most important part. It's the real mentorship. It's a loving person. It's somebody that has more time to uh, to see how they are psychologically. You know, it's like, like a social worker in a way. Um, they have to find out, you know, what's wrong with them if they're depressed, uh, what problems they have. Uh, to bring out the enjoyment of being in their family, to bring out the enjoyment of the things, the practical things they can learn at home. But the learning guide has a structure. And I think this is because it's got a pedagogical sequence. 
And I think this is what makes a difference. You can have all the computers of the world, but if you don't have a pedagogical sequence, Stavros, it will not be helpful. It's confusing for the child. So here the child is has learning, is learning. We have what we call learning circles and adaptation of Escuela Nueva for migrant Venezuelan children. We're working with a lot of the Venezuelan children that are in the in the frontier with Venezuela. And we have, I could, I could send you some testimonies of so many children saying, we're so happy here, we're learning. So I can send you positive things. And I think among the most positive things that we have seen is we're talking about child-centered learning for 40 years, Stavros. Now it's taking place. We're forced to be child-centered. We're forced to be child-centered. We are forced to have a new role of the teacher because the teacher cannot just come and give information. The teacher has to worry about the psychological context of their chill of their student. So here is a new role of the teacher taking place in action. So I think what has for what has forced us uh, the COVID is to we have to redouble our interventions because the poorest of the poor will be the most fragile and the most vulnerable of all according to all the statistics. So what we have to do is redouble our activities and look for the solutions that are having results. We have solutions at this moment for the underserved, where there's no connectivity, but we're using the connectivity for the teachers. And, you know, now for the first time, the teachers that were not very, they were, you know, they didn't care very much about coming online and, and, and coming into Renueva and to our campus. Now they're coming in, all of them are coming in because they're finding it extremely useful. So in the case of the teacher, the new role is really being supported. And the new role of the student, really child-centered, has taken place. This is what we've been doing, talking for ages. <laughs> so in a way, we were forced to do it more uh, in, in, at, the, at the press. Yeah. So Vicky, what I'm hearing you say is, is essentially that you, you find that, that, you know, the, the, Escuela Nueva model for to a certain extent was well well prepared for uh, a situation like the one that we we find ourselves now with with the pandemic. Um, what what have you you know you, you've spoken a lot about the role of of teachers in this in this setting and and the the almost kind of social care quality of of their work. What, what's been your experience or, or what have you guys done in terms of reaching out to, to parents, for example? Because in, in many parts of the world, we're hearing the parents are really finding that they're having to step in and fill some of the role that, that a teacher would normally uh, 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 fill. The learning guides, as I mentioned, the printed learning guides for the children, they have a structure teacher tremendously because then she knows the names of everybody that is there. She knows if that student has younger siblings or has older brothers that can help him out. So that's a family card. They have a, a croquis a community map, a little community map where they show where the school is, where children are living, where are their homes, where they have to walk the farthest away to come to the school. So it's a little community map. So here they have very simple things so that they can know their community and their customs and their culture. 
and use this with the parents. So all these instruments that we have in Escuela Nueva now are extremely useful for the teacher to have information in relation to the family. So children have continued to take place. I don't know. I will send you, uh, Stavros, um, a, a recent blog from the World Bank that was published, that we published jointly um, on the things we're doing on the borderline of Colombia with Venezuela, precisely with the children learning. Uh, so I'll send you that. And a recent article that came out in the Washington Post last week, I'll also share it to you. You know, the United States asking themselves sometimes, these simple models we have in the developing world, can they be used also in the developed world? Why not? Why not? Precisely, they're replicable, they're easy, they, they make things uh, complex things but made simple. So I think they can be used perfectly. And uh, precisely these materials are directed to the child, the child that already knows how to read. So we're focusing on their higher level thinking skills. And I think the most important of all the, the um, let's say, 21st century thinking skills for the future that Escuela Nueva was very well conceived with at the beginning was new ways of thinking, new ways of working, how to live in the world. But the most important of all the skills is learning to work in teams. And this is precisely the outcome of cooperative learning in Escuela Nueva. Children learn to work in teams. And I think if you learn this in school, you're pretty well off for the future. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And, and look, what I like about you know, about the, uh, the Escuela Nueva story, the key is, is also, again, the sort of, you know, I like the emphasis on, on, uh, on pedagogical structure because, you know, I, I think sometimes in, in the discourse, we've, you know, we, we've shifted too far um, down the, the sort of these, these kind of utopian ideas around um, creativity and 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 you know let 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 the kids learn the way they they want to learn without you know without really thinking through why it's important to have you know to to have a certain framework or certain structure uh, to help guide you know guide that learning um, and so you know it, it, it's interesting to to know to, to hear you say that in essentially what is you know what is a very sort of progressive-oriented setting like Escuela Nueva, there is still role, you know, for, uh, for a structured approach. Of course, of course. And a, and, a, and a structure that takes into consideration higher-level thinking skills, because a, a good learning guide follows the scientific method, if we want to really be sincere. And uh, this is why uh, persons like Bruce Alberts, or other, uh, you know, scientists have been so interested because we've managed to put a simple structure in a way that students can apply knowledge, test knowledge, validate knowledge, and go through a scientific process. Because for us in Escuela Nueva, uh, necessarily activity is not a place. Learning is not a place. We had to change the concept of act, the educational act, to really be child-centered. This is why I'm saying... For us, it's been fantastic because it forces to be really child-centered. Um, uh, the concept of act, to really assume the new role of the teacher, the pedagogical act. The concept of time, everybody can learn if you have the flexibility to learn and the time. So here's where we design the concept of flexibility in time. And we had to modularize the curriculum so that everybody can have different learning paces in the learning 
in the same classroom. And the concept of space, not necessarily uh, learning is an activity. It is, I mean, it's not a place, it's an activity. So we touch the essence of act, time, and space. And these are the essentials of Escuela Nueva. And uh, they continue to be even from the origins or towards the future <laughs> because it follows a structure, a very simple structure. Uh, and I think this, this facilitates learning tremendously. Um, what, what's your view, Vicky, in terms of, of permanent changes to the education landscape um, as a consequence of, of COVID, do you, do you see a, 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 a shift that is going to be permanent as opposed to a, a sort of a reactive adaptation to, the, uh, to sort of the unfortunate circumstances that we have? What, what's going to stay with us, do you, do you think, out of, out of uh, COVID? Well, we already had much of this beforehand, even in American universities, all this. So I think it just sort of pushed it more to the essence of learning. And I think much of it will remain because I'm sure many people start seeing that going to the universities or to their learning places is more for the human dimension, the relationship with your mentor, the relationship with your classmates, that you can produce something new, you can create something new. But in essence, everything will remain like it is at the moment because virtuality has, you know, it has demonstrated that learning can take place without necessarily being physically in a place. So the school will be more like a meeting place where people want to share things, their social dimension, their personal dimension. Uh, we need other human natures to develop, to grow as human beings. So I think it will be more the human dimension that will come out of the learning process. And I think that's fantastic. That's really fantastic. So I'm seeing that a lot of this that's already taking place will remain, okay? will remain because we will see what is the most essential and we will reach the conclusion that our human relationship be with teachers and with other students is much more for growing in a human dimension, not necessarily learning exclusively. And, and what's, what's next for Escuela Nueva other than, of course, continuing to do the fantastic work that you, that you do? Well, I've always tried to see it more as a pedagogical movement. <laughs> I would love it to be more as a pedagogical movement. It's been in many places. People know about it. It's good quality learning for the underserved, done in a way that anybody can do it and that any government can do it. So all we need to do to have is the political decision of taking decisions. And, uh, and I guess this is the most crucial part. But I think for us in Escuela Nueva, uh, it has been reconfirming the importance of the type of leadership skills for for students, for youth, the the human dimension of the teacher, uh, in the ways of thinking. We have to learn to learn to be more creative, critical thinking, problem solving. That's what Escuela Nueva proposes all the time. In the ways of working, ability to work in teams. We need to uh, you know follow deadlines. We need to follow instructions. Uh, uh, we have to listen. We listen to our classmates and and, and reach agreements, uh, build relationships, negotiate. Um, handle diversity permanently. So I think this is fantastic in the ways of working, new ways of working, and new ways of how to live in the world, uh, leadership skills, how to lead processes, how to take initiatives, 
But the most important of all is really how to work in teams. And I think this is what Escuela Nueva teaches us most. And this is what the research findings have demonstrated. Children in Escuela Nueva are more much more peaceful social interaction. They have much more peaceful social interaction. This is what Angela Little um and, uh, you know, she found through her empirical studies on these schools worldwide, and she found that in Escuela Nueva, peaceful social interaction is the crucial. So, I mean, if you have more peaceful citizens, if you have uh, citizens that are taking leadership and that can work in teams with others and that are more empathetic, I mean, this is the most important part. I think we're, 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 we're having new human beings that will be ready to, for new challenges. But of course, now we have to go back to the essence. In Latin America, 50% do not understand what they read. <laughs> okay, So we need the essentials of learning. Sometimes we become so sophisticated in so many things with so many gadgets. And it's just reading comprehension what we need in Latin America. I think this is powerful. Well, we cannot have sound democracies based on reading and uh, no reading comprehension. I mean, this is impossible. No, no, clearly, and and yeah, I mean, the, it 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 goes without saying that literacy is the is is the essential skill or essential item of knowledge without which you really can't do very much uh, by way of 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 education, at least the way we we understand it. Um, it it's interesting, you know, Vicky. I I I hear almost. I don't want to say you're being dismissive of, of technology, but you're you're sort of downplaying the the importance of, of technology. And I'd, I'd love you to sort of elaborate a little bit more um, on on your thoughts about. I mean, does technology can technology play a role, or or in, in your view, it, it it almost sounds like you feel it's a distraction. No, I think technology can play a very important role, especially for. Uh, talking about, uh, let's say, equality. Yes, we need to have, we need to have connectivity in the rural areas. We have to have all these things. Yes, it's important. However, I want to highlight a good friend of mine, uh, Juan Ose, Luis Osin. He's from Uruguay, and he has worked a lot with a, a, a Institute of Technology of Israel. He's right now in Israel. And he always used to say, you know, years back when people, when politicians were giving away one laptop per child, giving out laptops and, and, and computers everywhere, you know, there are already evaluations on that. And that hasn't been so impressive. So what has happened? So he used to say, just introducing computers in your classroom without changing your pedagogical model perpetuates at a higher cost a traditional technique. So he used to say, you know, just, just giving computers away is not the only the solution. You need pedagogics before that in place if you want if you want to have computers in the classroom. Your pedagogics have to be really in place. And here is where I feel that Escuela Nueva can help a lot in that because it just touches the essentials, the essentials of learning. And when you touch the essentials of learning, you know, the rest uh, flourishes. But of course, I, I am not downplaying the importance of technology. I think it's important. It's going to be very important. But I can downplay it when you need a new pedagogy before that, for sure, for sure. No, absolutely. And and look, I mean, for what it's worth, I think 
you know, that this kind of reality check is necessary. Um, because, you know, we, we do get caught up in, in uh, the sort of t- technological evangelism almost where, you know, the, the, the next device or the next, um, um, you know, AI engine is going to, is going to solve all, all our problems. Um, and, and you're right. I think, you know, I think the experiment thus far of introducing technology into education has, let's, let's be generous and say it's had sort of mixed, mixed results. Um, and so understanding how to make it work better and how to leverage it more appropriately is certainly something that we, uh, we ought to be investing time and, and energy in, in understanding. Vicky, it's really always, always a pleasure to, um, to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you to, to our audience for, uh, for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out all the links um, shared in the description to learn more about uh, Vicky's work and, and, of course, Escuela Nueva. Uh, we'll be sure to share um, also some of the um, articles, Vicky, and the, and the write-ups that you're going to be sending along. Um, if you enjoyed um, this Wise Words episode, please uh, don't forget to like uh, this post and also to subscribe to Wise Words on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, and more recently on, uh, on Amazon Music as well. Um, do keep an eye on, uh, on the Wise social media channels. Uh, we'll be back again soon with more episodes. That's all from uh, Wise Words. Uh, see you next time. And again, Vicky, uh, thank you for being with us on this 60th episode. Thank you so much, Stavros, for all the wonderful things you're doing to improve education in the world. Thank you so much.